What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. Special edition. We have Miss Tyler Thompson from Kentucky Sports Radio on this podcast. It is January 17th. We're looking forward to having her on. We're going to talk all things Kentucky basketball and the SEC basketball as well. Looking forward to this interview and I hope you all enjoy it. We are joined by Miss Tyler Thompson from Kentucky Sports Radio on the phone. Miss Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Mitch. Um, I'm a little tired after last night, but, you know, I'm going to power through. I hear you. I, I, I completely feel you on that. Well, t- tough loss, but, you know, hey, Kentucky's gonna Kentucky's got a big, tough game on Saturday. we got to rebound for that game. Yeah, and I think they will. I, I think that last night's loss to South Carolina is just one of those losses that Kentucky fans are going to have to expect and accept, you know, this season with Kentucky's youth. Clunkers like that are just going to happen, especially when you don't have Quade Green. And you know, I think Kentucky will get back on track on Saturday. I mean, being back in Rupp Arena obviously will be huge. And I think for these guys, you know, there's like, sometimes playing a marquee opponent like Florida will get their attention more. And I think they'll definitely be up for that game. And I completely agree with you. I mean, college game day is going to be there. Rupp Arena is going to be raucous. Hopefully, hopefully the old gray gray hairs or whatever stand up and cheer this game, whatever. But I, I really feel like it's going to be a great environment. I, I agree with you. I think the guys are going to kind of feed off of that as well, uh, heading into the game and what have you. Yeah, I think they definitely are probably hearing the criticism today. I think fans are, you know, venting their frustrations. And I, I think they'll be ready and they'll come out with something to prove, especially if Claudette Green's able to get back on the floor. I think last night we saw that, well, Shay Alexander has done a pretty good job in, in Claude Green's absence. Kentucky definitely needs another guard out there. As much as we all love Brad Calipari, I don't think he's gonna. No. <laughs> I think he's gonna be able to fill in. You know, and and that's gonna lead into our first question. How do you think Calipari gets his guys to kind of motivate and kind of find that heart that they've been lacking in some games that they've lost? or, you know, lacking that kind of energy to get up and play with for Florida. What do you think Cal Perry's going to tell his guys this week in practice and this week in the film room? You know, I think he's probably, you know, acknowledging the criticism surrounding the program right now. And if you're going to get through to these guys, you've got to get through to them by challenging them because a lot of them up until this point haven't really been challenged. You know, they've always been the best players on their teams growing up. They've always been the most talented. They probably probably haven't heard the word no much. So this is a shock for them, and this happens every year. I think that this year is probably a little more jarring than most for fans because there isn't, you know, a, a very big veteran presence. Yeah, you've got Wenyan, you've got Sasha, but you don't have a veteran guard like we've had in the past to kind of steady the ship and, you know, teach the younger guys it's going to be okay, you know, a couple losses here and there are the worst thing. But I think Calipari will be able to get through to them this week, especially players like Hamadou Diallo. You know, Diallo played so poorly last night that I really think Calipari is going to be able to get through to him and say, hey, you know, do you want to go to the NBA? It's so you've really got to change how you're playing and you've really got to change your attitude. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And, you know, we kind of saw last night with Kevin Knox coming out doing the press game press conference. You know, he kind of seems like the leader of this team. Do you see him developing into that it guy for the team that says, hey, you know what, guys, we need to buckle down. We need to get ready for the next game. We need to uh, rebound after this possession. We need to go out back out here and play harder than we did that last possession. Do you see Kevin Knox being that guy? I I can. I 
it's interesting because he, on the court, kind of gives off, like, you know, it seems like he's soft. He's not exactly playing very tough. But then you look at him in his post-game remarks, and he's very mature, very, you know, he has great responses to everything. And, and I think he, he acknowledged last night that some guys are just playing for themselves. They're not playing for the team. And if he's saying that to the media, you've got to hope he's saying it to his teammates. So I think that Kevin would be the guy. I mean, in terms of pure raw talent, he might be the most talented. So if they're going to listen to somebody, they're going to listen to him. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. So that kind of leads us into our next question. What are your predictions for this young Wildcat team heading into this stretch? And we got seven weeks of conference play left. What's your kind of predictions for the rest of this conference season and for the young Wildcats? Will they be able to, you know, find their mojo and be that it team that Kentucky teams in the past have done with winning three state tur- uh, tournaments? Well, I think with any Calipari team, their ceiling is obviously very high. However, how high, how, how far they can go is really going to depend on can they pull it together? There's going to be more SEC losses. Can they learn from those losses? You know, in the U.S. past, we've had one or two veterans, especially at the guard position. But this year, they're kind of just doing it all on their own. Winion and Sasha are you know, providing valuable minutes, but I don't think either of them is a true leader in the sense that you know they can take over the team. So we really need a leader to emerge, and maybe it's not. You know, maybe it's Diallo. Maybe it's even Jared Vanderbilt. His play really you know, got me excited about the rest of the season because I think he brings an element to this team we haven't seen yet. Not only is he, you know, he's big and he has the size to get to the rim, he can pass really well. And mm-hmm. honestly, with, with Claude not on the floor, that's something this team really needs. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I really like that Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, I watched his passing yesterday, and that's the first time we get to see him all year. And he does seem like that kind of player that can make a difference, you know, because we're Kentucky, the years that they haven't won the championship or whatever, they've always been one player short. And, you know, you kind of have that feeling that that Jared Vanderbilt can be that one player that could get Kentucky to the next level, you know, of competition. I mean, and the SEC is wide open this year, as you know. I mean, we have Auburn in first place, you know, 4, 5, and 0. And then you have teams like Texas A&M still down in the bottom. So it's a wide open league this year. It's going to be really fun to see this last seven weeks. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's why you can't discount Kentucky this early. I mean, you never discount Kentucky in March anyways. But given the parity in college basketball, and especially the SEC, how can you give up on them now? I mean, can, if anything, John Calipari has proven that he can pull teams together in March, even if they're super young. You know, And this team, their talent, their upside, it's going to be a messy couple of months, but, but come March, you never know. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm with you. We're going to switch gears a little bit. What what kind of got you started in sports journalism, in particular with Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones and Drew Franklin and Ryan and the and company? <laughs> it's a long story. Um, I'll give you the abbreviated version. Uh, I always wanted to get into sports writing. It was a, a big passion of mine being a Kentucky fan growing up. I grew up in Danville, Kentucky. and But I went to college and kind of got into other types of writing. I was an English major. And when I left I took a copy editing job in Nashville. But as any any true Kentucky fan, I followed the Cats, especially through KSR, which when I was coming out of college was just getting started. And it was kind of a fun way to just follow UK without having to read, like, boring game recaps and all that. Like, they made it fun. And so they had a blogger contest, like a Who Wants to Be a Blogger contest, 
back in 2009, and I tried out, and I made it, and I and I lost third place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it kind of like planted a seed in me, and I started my own blog for a while, and you know, wrote for some other websites, and then Matt called me in, in like 2009, doing some part-time work, which over the years has turned into a full-time gig. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a crazy story, but you know, with KSR, it's, it's never boring. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It, it's kind of fun watching Matt Jones, you know, and Drew Franklin. I mean, Drew, they're all they're different personalities. You know, Matt's kind of a little bit reserved unless it comes to Louisville or, you know, when he gets heated up about something. But Drew Franklin's, you know, the guy out there having a good time literally everywhere he goes. And you've got Ryan Lemon, um, you know, who's who's a great guy. So it's, it's, it's also really – it's just a lot of fun because – you know, as a Kentucky fan or whatever, I love KSR. I love following you guys. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to follow you guys and watch you guys have fun as well. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, that's the point. Why do this if it's going to be boring? I I think Kentucky fans love their team so much that it, it's almost become like a lifestyle thing. Yeah. So to be able to follow it with people you relate to really well just makes it even more fun. And KSR is a completely, it's totally different from the Courier-Journal or the Herald or whatever. It is, you know, it's fan news. It's kind of, you know, it's more fun stuff. It's making fun of Louisville. It's making fun of Tennessee. It's, you know, it's what the fans want to hear, like you said. And and I think a lot of fans can relate to it, you know, because, you know, you have all the different backgrounds, you know, piling into KSR. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's often the argument that, Something we have to deal with a lot as writers for KSR that, you know, the people who work for newspapers, true journalists and whatever, kind of discount us because we admit that we're fans. But in my opinion, I think that makes our work even stronger because people relate to us more. And, you know, I hate to break it to people, but when some journalists claim to be totally objective, they're really not. You know, they may not admit it, but they're fans of, you know, certain teams, whether they cover them or not. And they have a vested interest if that team does well or it doesn't. But KSI was completely upfront about that. And, you know, I think the fact that we care about it and care that they do well just makes our work even more passionate and stronger. Yeah, and that's one thing that I've kind of learned a little bit as I've started this podcast and started writing for a couple of websites is, you know, I grew up a Kentucky fan, loving Kentucky football, basketball, baseball, whatever. You know, I was a kid at the SEC tournament with the blue morph suit on and, the, you know, the Tony Delt jersey. I was that kid. Um, but, you know, <laughs> learning, you know, learning to be objective, but also watch Kentucky from afar. You know, I got to cover the Kentucky game on Saturday, uh, met you there, whatever. That was a cool experience because, you know, you grow up wanting to cover Kentucky and write for Kentucky, whatever. And you're finally doing that, but you also, you know, doing it from an objective standpoint. It's a, it a truly great, you know, experience. And, you know, so I look up to people, you know, at KSR or, or other, you know, other places, other fan websites as well. So, greatly appreciate all you guys do for us. No problem. It, it's truly a pleasure. And like I told you when I met you, it's, you know, as long as you have fun with it, it's never work. Yes, ma'am. On days like today, maybe it feels a little more <laughs> like work because you're trying to calm down a fan base that's really angry. <laughs> more often than not, it's a lot of fun. Yes, ma'am. So, you know, I see a lot of, you know, comments on Twitter or whatever. And we saw Laura Rutledge last night, you know, go after that Louisville radio host. What are some difficulties uh, as a woman face that you face in the sports journalism world that not necessarily a man would face? Um, I, I've thought about this a lot over the years. And I think, 
the biggest thing for me is whenever you write something, like people are less likely to take you seriously about sports if you talk about sports when you're a woman. Like, if you write something they don't agree with, more often than not, they feel more comfortable pointing out that they think you're wrong because you're a woman, and that's not fair. Like, I think there have been times where if I've written an article about, you know, whatever, you know, a football game, like a football loss or a football win, and you didn't see my byline, you didn't see that I'd written it, people, if they had thought that a guy had written it, may have taken me a little more seriously than if they found out that I was a woman. I mean, and sometimes that appears mostly in social media, like you saw last night with Laura Rutledge. You know, would Drew Diener really have written that tweet if it was a guy halftime or a guy sideline reporter? Maybe, but maybe not. I'd say probably not. Yeah. And, you know, and like I said, that was kind of one of those things where I saw it last night where I was like, man, that's kind of, you know, this guy's crazy for writing that because Laura Rutledge, you know, is one of the best in the business. I mean, she covered the national championship and then uh, covers all the SEC basketball as well. So, you know, for a guy out of Louisville, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I, I had never heard of the guys until last night. You looked at his bio, you kind of were like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense a little bit. So, but that's a whole different story for a whole different day, you know. Um, so what is your what is your favorite Kentucky sports radio moment? Go back to KSR before we get into the SEC real quick. Oh, man. Um, let's see. I have a couple. My favorite KSR memory would probably be the 2014 run with the Aaron Harrison threes. And that all kind of got going because of the, the Sweet 16 went over Louisville. And I'll never forget that because I was sitting next to Drew and we, we had somehow been given courtside seating, which if you know KSR, it's more common now, but back then it never used to happen. They put us up in this, you know, the highest press box and the most auxiliary seating, whatever. Mm-hmm. But somehow we ended up like right next to the Kentucky bench or right behind it. And uh, so we had like an up-close view of that amazing win. And I'll never forget that. John Robick had a, a like a whiteboard clipboard, and and when one of the timeouts, you know, it was a really close game that came down to the wire. He broke it, and you know, just like threw it back on the on the bench or something. And after the game was over, and Kentucky won, Drew and I were kind of doing our best not to geek out, but you know, we're we're secretly freaking out. And I went up, and he and I took a piece of the clipboard, and I still have that hanging on my uh, on my wall in my office. So that was kind of like a great memory. And then you know, you go out. Like I think it was in Indianapolis. I'm pretty sure that game was. Yeah, that was that and was you're a... on the streets of. Yeah, and you're on the streets of Indy with like really really angry Louisville fans. You really <laughs> thought they were gonna win, and you got just jubilant Kentucky fans. Like that was one of those really really great fun memories. We kind of just got that run started. Yeah, I mean. We've seen a lot of great runs as Kentucky fans, but that may be my favorite because it was. Yeah. And I'm with you. I was actually at that Michigan game. We came out uh, from Memphis. You know, it was kind of whatever. It was a last-minute trip. We came up to that Michigan game after that Louisville game. And like you said, that was one of the best things I've ever been a part of. That was hands down, you know, the shot over the Michigan play. It was awesome. Yeah, and I, I hope people kind of keep that that year and that run in mind. Like, I'm not going to say that's going to happen this year. It certainly it could. Yeah. I think that just the, the not having expectations and trying to go through and have fun with it all instead of just, you know, getting so upset if Kentucky loses earlier, if Kentucky loses a game in the SEC or if this or does that. Like, it's way more fun to just 
you know, go into these tournaments and stuff with lower expectations and be happy when they succeed instead of periods that they lose. Yeah, and you know, as as you know, the the tournament selection committee's not going to do any Kentucky any favors. They'll put us in Duke. They'll put us, you know, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, whatever, and they'll give us an eight seed. And Coach Cal use that as motivation. You know that, and it and it's kind of playing out to be one of those years where Kentucky does get messed over by the seeding. They have to play Duke. They have to play somebody good, Kansas, whatever, and then they make a run. You know, and we've seen that year after year after year with Coach Cal. He's a master motivator, and you know, I think we see that a lot with Coach Cal. Yeah, and I mean, I think you said it. This this March will not be boring by any stretch of the imagination. Whether Kentucky gets seated super low and they end up in somebody's bracket that doesn't want to face them, I mean, I think the fact that. Yeah, Duke is really good this year, but they've also stumbled. It'd be fun to have a Kentucky Duke game. Like, oh, it'd be awesome. I might not be saying that in March, but you know, I I think it'd be fun for the sport. Yeah, I'm with you. And so that kind of leads us into what is your favorite Mark Stoops and John Calipari memory? <laughs> um, Stoops, I, I don't cover football as much as I cover basketball, but uh, for Stoops, I'd have to say his first win over South Carolina which was the one after which he said, we're just getting started, bro. Um, I think it was really kind of neat to see him get that first big win and, and hear the excitement in his voice. Um, the, I always remember the pictures of him, like, on the field afterwards and all the players celebrating with him. It was cool. Because it also, you know, got fans excited, too. Yeah. John Calipari, I mean, there's, there's a lot. But I was lucky enough to go to to his fantasy camp a couple years ago, maybe like one of the first or second ones he ever did. And part of it was a, you know, like a charity auction, silent auction at his house. And they had set up like this huge tent and all the, you know, people who participated in the camp were there. And as part of it, they showed the 2012 One Shiny Moment. And this happened to be like standing right next to him. I don't know how it happened. He came off the stage after introducing the clip, and I was kind of off on the side. And being able to stand next to him while he was watching that was pretty cool. And I remember, I, I don't talk to Cal that often, but uh, I did say, you know, does this ever get old? And he looked at me and he said, never. So, so we got two more questions. We're going to let you go. Um, what is your favorite SEC road trip game that you've been to and least favorite and why? Uh... I can't pick just one, so I'm going to pick two. I'm going to cheat. Um, I'm going to say either Athens, Georgia, or Oxford, Mississippi. Um, both for pretty similar reasons. They're both great small towns. Um, I was most recently in Athens for, uh, for the football game back in November, which Kentucky lost. But it's still a great time. Like The whole town is a true college town in that the whole town kind of transforms on Saturdays to where, like, everybody is tailgating all across the little city. And it's, it's really cool. Lots of great restaurants, lots of great bars, all that. Least favorite has got to be either Starkville, Mississippi, or Knoxville. I, I have my own personal beef with Knoxville. Like, every time I've gone there, I've had a miserable time. Kentucky's always lost. Like, something bad has happened either with a Tennessee fan. Like, I think the first time I went there and Kentucky lost in basketball, I, I said something like, get me the heck out of Knoxville. And Tennessee fans, I said that on Twitter, Twitter, I tweeted it. Tennessee fans just attacked me. 
And it was just like, you know, calling me all these terrible things and like whatever. So I, I ended up in the boss for Knoxville. I mean, you know, and I kind of agree with those two. Living so close to Oxford, you know, Oxford, I knew a couple coaches when they were uh, football coaches down there. So Oxford's number one in my case. But my worst experiences as a fan and as whatever are Mississippi State and Tennessee. I know a lot of Tennessee fans will blow up my mentions now and Mississippi State as well. But there's just not, there's not, the fan base is not very uh, kind towards Kentucky fans. Per se, you know, you go to Ole Miss, you go to Alabama, Auburn, wherever, and they're very nice. They're, you know, very cordial, whatever. But you go to those two places, even if it's football and they expect to beat you by 100, they're still cussing you out. They're still throwing stuff at you, whatever. And so my two, I, I agree with you, my two least favorite things are Knoxville. I was actually there for the UT-Kentucky game a couple weeks ago. So I had a rough time. I had a rough time with that one. So, um, so final question. So what are you most excited about going into this last stretch of the SEC basketball schedule with Kentucky, and what do you expect? Well, I think I'm excited teams in the league because it's so much more fun than it was in years past, you know? You used to be able to count on Kentucky just steamrolling over most people at home and, you know, most people on the road, but this year there's some really, really good teams and nobody is safe, so that's going to make for some really exciting games. You know, I think they'll get maybe eight, maybe even nine teams in the tournament, which would be unreal. Um, and in the tournament, the same kind of thing. There's no dominant team in college basketball right now. And, and even the teams that are doing the best, like Virginia, Purdue, and you know, and all that, I, they don't excite me. So I'd love to see one of those teams go up against one of these teams with great freshmen. Or, you know, I think it's going to be fun to watch Oklahoma and Trey Young. Yeah, I think there's some exciting stars to watch. So it's going to be a fun march. And I think the best part of it all is nobody knows what's going to happen. It's not like a few years ago when Kentucky was the favorite or Duke was the favorite. So, it'd be a great one. Yes, ma'am. Well, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. We hope to probably have you on again in in March of SEC Tournament Basketball if you'd like. Absolutely. Sounds awesome. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye.